0: Hello and welcome back to PWC IFRS Talks, your source for all things IFRS. I'm your host, Rahaza Sheikh. The topic for today's podcast is the accounting for carbon offsets. And today I have two guests joining me. I've got Claire Howells, who is a specialist in the energy and mining industry and sits within the UK corporate reporting services team, and Gina Huang. Gina previously joined IFAS Talks to share her thoughts on cloud computing not that long ago. And as a reminder, she's a director in the Australian Corporate Reporting Services team, and she also has an industry expertise in oil, gas, and mining. Welcome back to IFAS Talks both.
1: Hi, Rahasa. Good to be here.
0: Thanks for having me again. So, Claire, you also joined us previously, and I think that was in episode 122, where you shared your views on carbon pricing models. And since then, I think it's fair to say we've seen an increased focus on carbon offsets as one way companies are trying to reduce their net carbon emissions. So shall we begin by perhaps providing our listeners with some background on what a carbon offset is and why we're hearing more about them?
1: Thanks, Rahat As you know, there's a lot of publicity about the use of carbon offsets at the moment. Many companies are voluntarily choosing to purchase offsets or credits as a method of offsetting or reducing the net emissions from their everyday activities. As listeners responsible for sustainability reporting will know, emissions can arise from manufacturing, cloud services, transport, energy use and so on. High quality offsets or credits purchased by companies can be reported as an offset to those emissions. Or used to support assertions that a company's products can be labelled as green. Actual reduction of emissions by changing processes or the mindsets and actions of customers and suppliers can take a long time. In the meantime the use of carbon offsets is a step towards a carbon neutral economy.
0: Thanks Claire and I heard you briefly mention you know referring to both carbon credits and offsets. Are are they the same?
1: Well If you use a popular search engine, you'll probably find both terms used interchangeably. One common definition would be that a carbon offset represents an emission reduction or removal of one metric tonne of CO2 or an equivalent amount of other greenhouse gases. Whereas a carbon credit is a unit issued by a carbon crediting programme that represents the carbon reduction or removal. Carbon credits used to offset emissions voluntarily are often referred to as carbon offsets credits or carbon offsets. The term carbon credits is also often used for allowances or permits used by governments or other regulatory bodies in the compliance market that allow an entity to emit a tonne of CO2. As such, and to avoid confusion with the compliance market terminology, in our recent PwC in-depth on accounting in the voluntary market, we've used the term carbon offsets throughout.
0: That's helpful to note, Claire. So when it comes to a carbon offset that has been purchased, what are the accounting considerations an entity would need to consider as a holder of these carbon offsets?
1: So at the moment, there's no formal accounting standard that addresses the accounting for carbon offsets. But of course, that doesn't mean companies don't need to actually account for them. However, they often don't know how to. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to join you on this podcast and be involved in writing PwC's guidance in this area. It's also why both the ISB and the FASB are considering standard setting activities. As I think we mentioned in the previous podcasts, we believe that carbon offsets usually meet the definition of intangible asset. They're not cash, they have no physical form. But a certified carbon offset can typically be resold for cash and it's therefore identifiable. So if we assume recognition as an asset is appropriate, intangible assets are normally in the scope of IS 38. That would mean recognition at cost, or in some cases, measurements of the revalued amount and also need an assessment for impairment. Now, intangibles, as you know, are usually amortised over their useful life. The holding period for offsets will often be less than a year, but even if they're acquired in advance and held for a longer period, we believe there's generally no consumption of the intangible benefits of a carbon offset until it's actually retired or sold. Therefore, no amortisation to record for a carbon offset during the holding period.
0: And you mentioned that it's, normally it would be captured in the scope of IAS 38. What are some examples of when they would not be?
1: Well, IAS 38 isn't applicable for intangible assets that fall within the scope of another standard. Doesn't mean they're not an intangible. The two groups of holders that should almost always present offsets in inventory are project developers and intermediaries, such as broker traders since, for them, these are assets held for sale in the normal course of business. Carbon offsets will also meet the definition of inventory if they're consumed in the production process or the rendering of services. If so, they'll be in the scope of IS2. So companies that purchase offsets to support the treatment of their products as carbon neutral or to offset emissions used in the manufacturing process may, in some circumstances, be able to present the offsets within inventory, However, I am aware that there's currently mixed practice for when and if offsets become part of inventory.
0: Thanks, Claire. Based on your experience, where do you see the trickier questions arise? You know, I guess from the perspective of a corporate user. And do you have any tips for our listeners on how to address them or be mindful of them?
1: So I guess one question is that when do they meet the definition of inventory? But probably a couple of other points. We're often asked whether carbon offsets can be fair valued, whether you're under the intangible or the inventory model. And at the moment, there's such a wide variety of schemes and level of controls over those schemes. It's hard to say there's an active market for most carbon offsets. As such, we think fair value will be rare. Although I do know the markets are evolving quickly. So I expect this to change in time. Um, just for information, note that's different to the compliance market, since those markets are, are more well established and, and will often meet the fair value criteria. I'd probably also remind listeners that only high quality certified offsets can be resold for cash will meet the definition of an intangible asset. So if a company purchases offsets without doing appropriate due diligence over the quality of the, of the offsets they've acquired, then they might find they have to expense them immediately. They also might not be able to use them in their sustainability reporting, but that's the subject of a whole other podcast. We just published an in-depth on some of the questions in this area. So, Rahza, I'd suggest that we recommend to our listeners they take a look and and get in touch with their usual contact if they have any questions as we're carrying on expanding our guidance in this area.
0: Thanks, Claire. And yes, we can include a link to the in-depth as part of the talking points that accompany this podcast that are available on Viewpoint. So that that was really helpful. So that covers the accounting that relates to the purchase of carbon offsets from the market. But we're also seeing an increased number of entities that are responsible for generating these carbon offsets. You know, this is often undertaken through various offset projects, for example, Uh, renewable energy development and forestations, I think it would be helpful to understand what the key accounting considerations are from a project developer's perspective. So Gina, maybe I can turn to you to share your thoughts on this. And perhaps we can begin by considering what the accounting considerations are for the costs incurred in generating carbon offsets.
2: Sure. In a carbon offset project, you may incur costs that are not costs to build physical assets. And as Claire said, if you generate carbon offsets for sale in the ordinary course of business, they will be classified as inventories. Therefore, directly attributable costs to generate those carbon offsets if not captured by other standards, will be capitalized as part of the cost of the carbon offset inventories, essentially like working progress inventories. Such costs will also include production overheads. You should also analyze um, those ongoing operating costs to assess whether they enhance the underlying assets and therefore can be capitalized or should simply be expensed as incurred. Um, Some projects may generate two or more products, for example, renewable energy and carbon offsets. Costs incurred on such projects would need to be allocated to the multiple products. Also, in some cases, a project developer may generate carbon offsets and sell them to companies within the same group. Those carbon offsets may be reclassified as intangibles in the group accounts if they are eventually used for the group's emission reduction targets. But the principles of cost accounting would be very similar at the group level.
0: And another big area is from the perspective of the project developer, is where the project relates to forestation or reforestation. What do project developers have to think about when it comes to, you know, the accounting for the trees that are held to generate carbon credits?
2: Yeah, that's a very interesting area. Um, First of all, we believe that carbon offsets even when generated by trees are not agricultural produce. So if you only plant trees for the purpose of generating carbon offsets, this is not considered an agricultural activity. And as a result, the trees won't be accounted for as biological assets under IS-41 or as bare plants under IS-16. Having said that, they are tangible assets helpful use in the production of carbon offsets over a long term and therefore meet the definition of property plant and equipment under IS 16. So they will be accounted for in accordance with IS 16. You should determine their useful life and the depreciation method, considering how they will generate carbon offsets. The carbon offsets produced will be accounted for under IS 2. They are initially measured at cost, and this will include the depreciation of the trees.
0: Thanks, Gina. You know, finally, I'd also like to ask you this similar question to what I had asked Claire. So based on your experience, where do you see the trickier questions arise from the perspective of project developers? And also, do you have any tips for our listeners on how to address them or how to be mindful of them?
2: Well, um, I think determining the cost of offsets in accordance with IS-2 um, in the project can be a complex exercise. It requires a good understanding of the carbon absorption or avoidance process for the particular project. For trees, there may be more complicated situations where they are held for multiple purposes. And entities should also consider their ongoing obligations related to those trees. This would also require the accountants to understand the entity's business model and the related regulations. There will definitely be more practical issues arising and uh, we are planning to provide more guidance in
0: this space. Thanks, Gina. It's a really interesting, fascinating area. I think just having listened to both your perspectives on, on the various accounting issues that we've seen so far. And I appreciate that this was a quite a quick overview of a very topical issue. So, as mentioned throughout the podcast, you know, I really recommend listeners read PwC's in-depth, uh, which is called the IFRS financial reporting considerations for entities participating in the voluntary carbon market, which covers topics from today's podcast in further details, along with a couple of new areas too. So, you know, there's the accounting for forward contracts carbon capture and storage projects, as well as the accounting from the perspective of of an intermediary, Um, so lots more included, and lots more to come as well. So with that, I'd like to thank both Gina and Claire for sharing their views with us today. It was great to hear your perspectives. Thanks, Rehaza. Thanks,
2: Rehaza. Um, As mentioned, just now we are developing more guidance to be added to the in-depth publication. So definitely watch out this space.
0: Thanks, Gina. Great, and with that I'd like to wrap up the podcast. So a very big thank you to our listeners. I hope you found it useful, and until next time, happy accounting.
1: The preceding programme was brought to you by Price Wardhouse Cooper's LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.